when you see these little cracks of light of authenticity of real Englishness uh, kind of coming through is it as if someone's kind of poked holes in a wall and you can see the light coming through the holes and, and um, what I realized was that for whatever reason the current kind of paradigm it 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 had forgotten about the the brass band sort of uh, aesthetic and the history mm. and and the connection of the people with their local mining local, town. Yeah. One of the funny things is that people ask me where I where I go on my walks and in, in private. Can you that, that where did you go? Where was it? And in actual fact, um, if you walk along the roads of England. You, you will see actually um, public footpaths leading off. Mm. Um, and, and what tends to happen is that people just drive straight past them because they want to go to a more well-known, officially designated <laughs> beauty spot. And so they, they actually go straight past. Like there's, there's all these places which just get forgotten about. Nobody yeah. knows. Um, and you can be a little bit cheeky, especially this time of the year when the farmer's not too bothered. And you just go alongside, walk along the side of the hedgerows and the fields, and he, he, he doesn't care. Today we're talking with the great SAS thinker and YouTuber Morgoth about how to find traditional folk meaning in modernist hell and the, the wider mission to recover our heritage. And maybe that's a way that we can think about this, is that rather than just this bleakness and then life's over, rather that it's an opportunity to return to these old ways. And also what you mentioned about dignity is really interesting to me because uh, her people feeling like they don't want to hand out. Well, we need to remember that back in the day, people used to form co-ops. That was a part of our tradition to actually band together. They used to band together to, to buy houses for a person in the community as well. They, they were, there were funds for that. Roger Scruton talks about that in his book, actually. So this idea that Oh no! It's just this rugged individualism. No, it's community, and yeah. um, I mean that's that's a that's a product of the good times. Something that I've noticed is a little. It's a little kind of uh, sort of hot take that I haven't really expanded on in, a, in an essay or a video or anything yet. But something that I've noticed, which is interesting, is that when I'm out, because I spend a lot of time out walking in the in, yeah. in the countryside, dog, rambling with me dog and thinking about things. And um, there's these old, the old houses uh, that you see, um, like really old ones we saw before yeah. the First World War, and, go, and and that's not that old for England actually, but like it, it, neo-Gothic era, Victorian. Yeah. yeah, and especially kind of old barns and things that they've converted mm. into sort of fancy houses these days. But one of the things that I've noticed is that the windows on the Martini. They've got, mm -hmm. they've got, they've all got very small windows on these older cottages and, and country houses, except for the big rich ones. But that's a different thing. I'll come to in a moment. But um, and then, so you go back in the past, and generally the normal houses have got small windows, and then there's this kind of wave of new builds after mainly the council houses and the wimpies, and all of these houses that came in after uh world war two and it they've all got massive windows it's it's as if like the the windows mm. to cover the whole front of the the living room mm. but recently i've been looking at new like real new bills that are actually being built on top of the like, countryside now mm. and some of the things that i've noticed is that the windows are small again 
And yeah. what they're doing is looking ahead towards uh, sort of a carbon reduction and eco-friendliness and um, possibly, you know, to be a little bit conspiratorial, but energy shortages and general hardship. And when you look at that whole arc, I think it's interesting because you, you then you kind of go f because because, of course, um, if you've got small windows, it means that you keep the heat in more efficiently. Yeah. Basically. So yeah. so that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. And when you um, so you get like a kind of cycle where you've got houses which in, in the sort of in further in the past had small windows because they were thinking about keeping the heat in. We then enter into this age of like energy abundance where mm. it doesn't matter. You don't even have to think about it. So the windows get huge. Mm. We then head into hardship again. And the windows, mm. windows on the houses shrink. Yeah. So it's a sort of, uh, it's, a, it's like that, what is it, like uh, soft men make hard times type yeah, thing. Yeah, cyclical. But, but in, in terms of like the windows on houses. Yeah, and the, the Greeks used to actually see time cyclically. It's only in the Roman era that we started to turn it into a sort of, you know, uh, just a linear line. Yeah. So, and I, I think it is more. I, did, I think these Jung also believe that these cycles and archetypes come again and again and uh, bring themselves together. But I think with the sorry, you're about to. I was just going to say, like, I, I'm, I'm the kind of big Oswald Spengler fan, so yeah. he's obviously in the whole the whole cyclical history thing. Um, mm -hmm. it, it is fascinating. It, you don't notice it until things start to go south, like literally, mm -hmm. if you look at the cycle of things. Um, but it, I mean, that, that it's a big subject, but it is it is interesting because the the, the sort of linear wig view of history. Um, yeah. Uh, there's going to come a point where things are just, and I think we're there, where things mm. just aren't getting better anymore. Yes. And if you've if you've adopted a cyclical view of history, I think you're more kind of mentally in tuned. You're, you're more capable yes. of understanding what's going on. Whereas if you've got a, a more liberal, progressive mindset, it's going to be like an existential crisis. Mm. We've seen this happen before as well, where when you get into the the left for example i mean something like communism was future looking it, it, it mm. was like a model of how it was something which was going to come into being um and there was they they've had they've been through this before and there was a famous time when um they, they had to take down like statues of lenin and they were mm. getting towed away on barges and all of a sudden it led to this kind of crisis because that was the future and now here it was being towed away to a scrapyard. So it was, they, they were left sort of outside of time in a way because the future had disappeared yeah. before. Vision, their vision had disappeared, that sort of teleology. And in yeah. fact, that's kind of happened to us as well is that with this domination of the techne, with it's empty, it doesn't have, well, that's what teleology is, it's God. It doesn't have this thing and it doesn't have this. And that's why I think too is that the people that are going to be building the ark are the people that are going to be looking into the tradition because that's where this teleology is that will save those people or us hopefully that look into it and i think this relates to what i've seen in some of your videos that you do so well is that there's one new video of yours called english whimsy where you look into the the building of the pathway you look into the building of the pathway through 
the forest and the forest woods, right? And you talk about this idea that it's on a whim and exactly it is, it is a whim, but what ultimately drives that whim? Cause it's an, it is an order, isn't it? The, the, that the Englishman builds, it's an order, but what's he ordering for? He's not ordering for the machine. It's not utility that he's, what, yeah. but it's some other order underneath. It's not yeah. just a whim, it's a, but the whim is the impulsion for him. So it's almost like in a Heideggerian sense in the villa, in the, this, this place that you went. And I'm sure you do this a lot when you look around and look at these things, this ordering that's unutilitarian. And I think that it's, it's this dwelling being, the authentic English being underneath that people do still have and see. But yeah. Yes. I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this is something which, this is kind of like uh, my mission. I mean, the, the, the video in question was where I went for a walk through the woods <clears throat> um, and along a, along a, along a trail. I, it was an earlier one that, and um, it, there was, I was looking at a path that had been constructed alongside the riverbank and what they had done, it would have been the council. And mm. what they did was to uh, really complicate because they could have just kind of went along the riverbank itself and put down some boards. But what they did was take a lot of extra work and put down a lot more aggregate so mm. that they could have like a kind of a, a, a set of stairs which took them past, so that the, the person on the path would walk past a waterfall. It was, I think it was dry at that time, but when there's been a lot of rain, the the, the water, you know, it, it, come, it becomes a waterfall. And so they'd gone like much more expense and much more work just so that you could walk uh, past the waterfall. It, as you say, it didn't make any utilitarian yes. sense whatsoever. Mm. And I thought this is an interesting thing because um, it, it was actually bef it was before I'd read uh, C.S. Lewis, The Abolition of Man, where he talks about something similar to this as well. Mm. Um, and I thought, why, if, if our world is dominated by rationalism and efficiency and technique, why why did they do that like what is the actual excuse for that um and it it, it, it yeah, this is this opens up quite a profound question really because mm -hmm. you have to then think okay so why is it that they went through it's easy to just kind of reel it off like that but you think mm -hmm. yeah actually hang on a minute why yeah. why do that why um it, it's a little bit similar to how much effort people put into their gardens as well like just yes. perfectly. i thought that exact thing when the, i was watching the, it. go on go on the the, yeah. the a garden as well the garden obviously you've got the the ones where they're planting veg or it's just a low maintenance lawn but my dad's got a garden it's nothing very grand but he he's so proud of it he knew he knows yes. all the names of the plants he trims it. He's he's tending to it all of the time, and if you're if you know if you go up on the summer, it's a lovely place just mm. to be. Um, to be, but yes. it, it is it, it it kind of runs against the dominant way of thinking that we have mm. um, in the world today, and um, I, I, I'm fascinated by it because I think this is this is how we we kind of find ourselves again yes and you've got a and it's kind of like in um england um it, i mean it's nice just to be able to speak about just england as well yes. without, where 
what we're, what we're looking for, what I'm trying to get to, is uh, the sort of the gaps in between where we can mm. find authenticity again. Yes. Um, and, and when you wait, it's in these places where you've got to look where it isn't just this utilitarian spreadsheet mentality. Um, and it's something else. And a lot of it is just feeling. You know, mm. even that, you know, we live in the age of facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah. Um, and then that's been like subsequently inverted. I think it was Richard Spencer who kind of flipped it and said, well, yeah. in actual fact, feelings don't care about your facts. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's no way to live. It's, that's not no, authentic being at all. But No, it's, it's, it's uh, I, I don't like it. So a lot of my more kind of whimsical videos, the ones I like doing the most, are looking for these gaps yes. um, and, and finding something there finding the little sort of little bits of light that are coming through and it's when you begin to ask questions when you say well, what is the motivation to build put all of that effort to build a path just so you could walk past the waterfall because mm. again like that that isn't that is feelings not facts that's right and um, it's asking the question that opens it and people yeah. don't ask the question that too many of us too many of us get wrapped up in this politics right i saw uh, there was another video you had a response to a walk on a pathway uh, about uh, a lot of us on uh, on this side of things, they, uh, there's a lot of people that are wrapped up in the politics of it. Yet you can't do anything, you know, if you're not motivated by this being, by this fire. And I find that, and it, and I didn't realize that was your core mission. I knew that was at least half what you did. Um, but it's great to hear that because that's really the core to exactly what I'm trying to do as well, um, which is to reconnect with this being. To get to find a way out of the wilderness of mirrors because it is a wilderness of mirrors isn't it it's it traps yeah. you because you it covers everything and what's known so it's hard to see isn't it because you go so you go on your you go on a walk through a forest you've seen it before if you look at it that way though just as something as a uh, oh, this looks like Dark Souls, uh, what uh, Academic Asian said. And, no, and this is no criticism of him or anything. Oh, it's yes, just the nature yeah. of the world we're in. It's just the nature of the world we're in, though, isn't it? Is that if you leave your, like you said, if you leave your internet connected, you're an extension of the machine. You have to actually disconnect it. And then also, as Heidegger talks about, it does help to be called to your death, to, not in a morbid way at all, not in a morbid way to use being towards death to to call you to yourself to actually see the environment as it truly is so you go out into a forest walk you might just walk through and ignore it thinking oh i've seen this a million times that's your right brain in a more if we want to talk more scientifically that's your right brain that's mapped it you have to break you you're sort of breaking out of the left brain mode but also breaking out that context to see through it and that being towards death sort of helps that really understanding your mortality and looking for those golden threads, they're there. And you feel it, right? Don't you? Like you mentioned with emotion, you feel its attunement. And if you follow that, you follow that feeling that it gives you, rather than just jumping to a thought or a logic or something, yeah. it can open something to you, can't it, out there? Especially when you've, because it sounds kind of trite, but especially when you've broken with the routine. If, if you go for a walk at five o'clock in the morning, or after it's dark and then you and then you go for a walk on a country path in the dark it yes. completely changes and sets sets you off there was i mean 
I used to I used to cycle to work, and I used to cycle in, in the snow and through everything. And there was some times uh, where you, I'd get like a flat tire um, at the side of the road when it was in the snow or it would be pouring with rain. Um, and you, you all of a sudden you have to kind of think, well, okay, it's, let's say it's three miles to home. Um, mm. I could just walk there or I can like fix it up the side of the road here and this kind of thing. But what's interesting is that you are, even on something as mundane as that, you, you, you're, you're, something's changed. Mm. Um, I mentioned the snow especially because the some it was it was like you know this being towards death. Yes. There there's a there's an element of that when you're cycling at like seven o'clock in the morning on icy roads in the dark. Mm. Um, you're you're it's it's a stupid thing to do, but mm. you, you are kind of absolutely in the moment. You are actually yes. um, way outside of your comfort zone, even though. You are just going to work. You've got to have absolute concentration, um, and it was it was exhilarating at the same mm. time that it was kind of creepy. But it is it isn't like I've been off to war or anything. I, I mention it because it is one of those. It's an example of like something in the mundane life bringing you to yourself, yes. um, and, and because people have experienced something similar to that. In the in the video that you are you are mentioning there was yeah. an academic agent. Yeah, he'd been so he he'd also been for a, a country walk, and he was yeah. So he was saying, well, it looks like Skyrim, or you know, mm. it's it's it, and it was this sort of. Um, it, to be fair, it, it, he does make a good point because it is there is like a postmodern kind of mindset where your frame of reference for everything is pop culture. And so, yeah. I mean, even... He's not um, wrong, and, and he's just no, articulating inauthentic beings. There's yeah, nothing the, wrong the, with that. We all have it, but yeah. yeah. Go on. The, 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 the question is how we how we get out of that. I think, to be fair, his video was pitched as a kind of challenge. You know, how, mm. how do we get out of this mindset? Mm. Because we're all guilty of it. I constantly yes. reference pop culture... I mean, um, I did. I went for a walk yesterday, and it, we've had this really thick pea soup fog here in the northeast for days yeah. and days. Yeah. And I put up some pictures that I took up on on, on Telegram, yeah. and it was eerie. It was it was different. Um, you know, I got some nice pictures of a sort of wooden style, and it's the, the trees look kind of ominous. They're half yeah. blotted out, and you can see the sun struggling to get through the, the thick mist. Yeah. And I, I, I said something like it was it was um, oh, the at first I was going to put it at, it feels like I'm on an alien planet, but then mm. in the end I, I was like well it, it feels like I'm in John Borman's Excalibur Excalibur. Yeah. Yeah. So again, again, I mean it's not an exact it's not a very bad thing to reference I suppose, but it, well, it's you're, still yeah you're you're calling yourself you're calling people to um, to English being at least with that I think that it's, yeah. it's a way for them to see in. Because um, the trouble is, yeah, that all those pop cultural references in the end, they're sort of the covering ideas, right? And the trouble with where we are is so much of it is propositional. People can't see beneath that. That actually is a, actually is key to this. Is it's we think so much propositionally, which means that everything is based on uh, uh, correctness or linking of what's correct of ideas. But there's a whole other part of being underneath that, which is. Uh, uh, the the perspectival knowledge, uh, participatory knowledge, 
And I think you're articulating this in your video so much, uh, these different forms of this. And this is what we need to do is reconnect with these different under the propositional, because without this, we can't fuel everything. And, and, and reconnecting being, English being itself, with what it yearns for. And you also talk about uh, a lot of depression as well uh, in men in the North and such. And I think this is true. And also the thing is, it's, it's their, that's their being calling and saying something is wrong. And it's, it's true that something's wrong. It's actually their English being saying you're not, you're being, you're being disconnected from it to, it wants to, that's calling them to their authentic. So it's so gross that society and the machine uh, says to them that they're sick, or not says to them, but they go to get treated as an individual where the treatment is to find ways into this, right? And I really understand what you're saying there by going out and seeing the icy path and, and these things. If you take time to pay attention, even if you enact practices like you do with fishing, uh, or it could be meditation, there are Neoplatonic practices that can help break through to this authentic being of the dwelling place that you belong as an Englishman. But uh, for me, storms and wind, I think you see the chaotic. If there's a storm, go for a walk then, <laughs> that's yeah. my view, because you yeah. see it, the meaning unfold, right? We don't understand how these things are. If you look at quantum mechanics all the way to the bottom, science has no shit about how, what this stuff ultimately is, reality down the bottom. So, and I think for the ancients, wind was wind, spirit, wind meant spirit to them. Through wind and storms is spirit's form being revealed. And you actually can connect with that. It doesn't matter what you think about it ultimately in terms of what it means, but something in our being gets something from a storm. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, <clears throat> I love fishing because that brings in another element as well, which is time. Um, we are do sea fishing, um, and you you are basically you get two hours of the tide coming in, and then you get kind of uh, it stays up there for a bit, and then you get two hours back. So you got two hours up and two hours down, mm. but your your sense of time changes because you're just staring mm. at the waves all of the time. So it isn't a, a digital organic process, you're, but you're, you're kind of in tuned with with with, with like the time of the waves uh, more than actual numbers on a on a yeah. on a on a watch. And there's something beyond that as well, where yeah. when you, I mean, it's another Heideggerian thing. Um, but what I mean, once you know, once you solve the problem of of getting snagged and losing your gear, what you it's 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 wonderful to just sit there and stare at the tip of a rod yeah. um because then you what well, it's that revealing isn't it because yes. the, the 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 kind of the background noise everything behind you and all of the worries back home that that's kind of sort of phased out and yeah. and what what actually your focal point is the tip of the fishing rod i mean it, yeah. i think i think um if you do rock climbing it would be something similar just the sheer amount of concentration you've got to have, perhaps even painting a little figurine or something. Mm. But I'm just familiar with the, the the fishing rod, and and because you do, it is you know you get all of these old books going back hundreds of years of men mm. trying to figure out the magic and the mystery of fishing because it seems ridiculous that you are just sitting there with a like sort of a stick dangling in the water, <laughs> but. but, but 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 if you go back, there's a long, long tradition yeah. of of men saying, 
what is it about this? Like, I, especially again, like the utilitarian aspect of it. Like, I, I can't just go and buy a fish from the shop. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is this is what people used to say. Like, oh, well, you can just Ooh. go and buy it. Or, I'll just go and buy it. It's easier. And I, I know that's the whole problem. <laughs> that's right. You're, that <laughs> mentality is the problem. That's the whole problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, if if you if you I don't catch much. I've caught a few in me day, but yeah. I don't catch much. It's mainly that sense of uh, just sense of just being there. Just just yes. so, it's just wonderful thing. But I mean, it, it's a kind of another related point, of course, is that if if you do catch fish, uh, you do treat it with with like um, it's 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 a it's a real event. It really matters. Treasure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's and and when you when you eat it, you're gonna it's gonna taste nicer yeah. um, than you know you you just popped into the supermarket or whatever. But the the what it means is that again, like the the walk through the woods, there's no logical or rational reason to sit and fish whatsoever when you can just no. go and buy one. So once again, you see that if you want authenticity, you have to get out of the book man lifestyle because yeah. um, it, 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 it isn't like, I know everybody sort of lectures uh, everybody else on this now, we're aware of it, but that there's there's something uh, something really deep being missed. And, and mm. people often think, well, how do I get out of this? How do I, and, and it, it's not that difficult to get at least a little bit of an escape from it while we figure out how to sort of get there on a more permanent. Oh, uh, yeah. People are always trying to get somewhere. They're trying to think, oh, life will be good. Life will be good once I retire. Then and they've got this, they've got the, perhaps they even got have an authentic English ideal in their, in their being that's calling to them, but they're thinking about doing it later. And they ignore the simple things that they could be doing right now, like fishing. For instance, like these things for you that you that you uncovered, um, and maybe you could talk a bit about that about when you first looked for practices like this that might help people just to, to reconnect think, with English being. And I think the tradition's important part of it too, with it being fishing itself, not just some random thing, but something that I believe that these things are historically in our being. But yeah, yeah. maybe you can expand I'm, on. I, th I think it goes back way further because even when I was um, even even when I was a, like a, a young boy, I would cycle from North Tyneside with a friend of mine uh, on a weekend after school, or, and then later when we started to work. But it was in, it, mainly in my teens. Um, we we had these uh, mountain bikes, <clears throat> and we would uh, I'd set off with a friend or a couple of friends, and we just cycled straight up in Northumberland. Yeah. And like like we'd be gone. We'd set off at six o'clock in the morning. We wouldn't come back until six o'clock at night. And I'd have nothing but two bottles of water and a pound uh, mm -hmm. for like a sandwich or a Greg's pasty. Well, it wouldn't even be Greg's. It would be like a local butcher's in Pontyland or Rothbury or something. Yeah. And um, there was like, like I remember there was where there's Cragside House um, at the backside of, of uh, Rothbury, there's like a really steep bank. And uh, it took us a long time, but we we, we climbed right to the top of the, the it, it's, it's nigh on a mountain, really. It, it really is a steep, mm. steep drop. And we went way up onto the top of it. And it was 
it was just absolutely completely silent because mm. there was no wind uh, yeah. even and i just thought this is this is weird this is this is mm. so different um and so i've i've had that I've, i went to the spent Quite a bit of time with an uncle who lived in a remote part of Scotland. Mm. I would get, I would go up for me, me holidays when I was a boy as well. So I've always had that uh, aspect to it, I think. Yeah. And then it was, you know, in in more in more recent years, settling down. Um, I, 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 I always liked the idea of fishing. I fished before mm. on and off uh, in in Scotland as well for a start. But um, yeah, I decided to do that, and with the dog as well. And it was it was really just having peace, having mm. peace and quiet, and and literally a pastime where I was doing nothing. Like I wasn't earning money, I wasn't working on anything. I was yeah. I didn't have to be anywhere. I didn't, <laughs> and and this is all like really anti modern. You know, the, the, the real revolt against the modern world is not being productive in, in, mm. in any meaningful way at all. Yeah. Like, absolutely. What, well, what are, you, what are you getting out of it? You can just, no, I'm doing nothing. I'm going to go fishing and I'm going to sit needlessly on the side of, the, like, the sea uh, mm. on, on a rock for, like, three or four hours. And I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah. I'm not going to apologize for not being productive. Yeah. Or just churning any and making the line on the graph go up or anything like yeah. that, and and you feel that you yes. you feel as if you are outside of it. Yes, and and, and I want I want us to to live like that on a permanent basis. You know that yeah. that's that's where the ideal space is. Um, I... Obviously, people would still have to go to work, yeah. but I just feel like if we slowed everything down a little bit. Yes. These men who are uh, depressed, because as you say, they they, they are threat like they're not threat like men who yes. have a have a have a spirit and a place in the world. They're threat like sort of cogs which aren't fitting yes. in the machine properly. And and yes, I think that when you go out there, that English being the English landscape is in being. So you're not just not just going out to raw nature. English hands gave form to that being, that dwelling spirit out there, that sea's been there for a thousand years, informing English, northern English being. So when you go out there, that's where you belong. So, and this isn't just a trivial, it's not just a trivial, oh, we were once there, materialisty. No, it's the being that you are belongs out there in terms of, because humans are, of course, I mean, if you haven't read Heidegger and you're watching this, your being is, is if you think about epistemology, what you know is the, the form of the outside beings connected and brought inside. It's what it, its actual essence is in you. Historically as well, right? So that's why people feel like there's something wrong because they've been pulled away from it. And, and when you go to it, you're actually communing with a land which is yours and you own. And that's why, of course, another reason why it is an ancestral homeland that is the English people's, because it's a soul, it's their soul. And yeah. you go back to it and you see through, I know this sounds high hoity-toity, but it's true. And I think when you're using your fishing rod, you even mentioned in your video, you're seeing through it, cognition. Yeah. And they're cognitive, cognitive science, they're becoming aware of this stuff, right? This is for science heads that might be watching this. You look through it, your being goes out through it and touch this thing. And historically it's connected to you. But 
I want to know, were you in a state where you were depressed sort of like them originally? Because it sounds like you always had something within you, which a bit of this fire anyway, because that is definitely something unique about your content that has that. And I feel I have it too, that a lot of other people in this space seem to be, I don't know, they're not, I think more people need to do this sort of thing and reconnect with it. But yeah, were you always... Oh yeah, I was. I was always. I was always because I've. I've. Um, you know, I know. I know. It's nice to think about the good times, but I've. I've been stuck in crap jobs all my life. Mm. So, I mean, what one of the big arguments that I had um, throughout all of the different factory jobs and the warehouse jobs and everything that I've had is is when they asked me to come in on a Saturday. Um, be, I, I, I would I always, I always despised, absolutely despised doing overtime. Yeah. And I would get into all of the arguments um, but, and, uh, with people. And one of the things that they, they used to do, um, it, it is actually interesting because a lot, of, a lot of the lads that I worked with would just work all the hours under the sun. And as you were saying, everything is something which is kind of future oriented. So they they would justify just almost living in a factory because the, the the girlfriend or the wife wanted a new kitchen, or there was a holiday coming, or there was a bigger smartphone, a bigger television, and, and so the, their lives in the here and now were just worthless because yeah. of this thing, this like goody, this this kind of carrot on a stick. That was being dangled in front of them in the form of of some new material uh, possession, but um, so and because the uh, there's a little bit of the kind of the the poorness of the northeast in this as well. Uh, but what they would do would be to offer you money, and the assumption was that you would just not turn it down; that you they could have you jumping through hoops. And I, I used to not, uh, especially for the Saturdays, um, because I would be like, I've, I need to live. I can't just be here all of the time. And then it was like, but you're losing this money, which was true. I was, and I also like, I also, I was also poor. Um, so there was a fine line there. It was like, well, they do have a point. I could do it for money, but it's making me absolutely depressed just mm. being there so much, um, and and just this kind of frustration and this this anger that that I was enslaved in this. Way. Yes. Um, yeah. And and the 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 mentality around was that you should just always take the money while you can get it, and so sometimes it happened. What I what I hated even more was when they were really desperate and they'd offer double money, because then I had to consider. Well, okay, it's all very well having my hoity-toity kind of views, but now they're, they're actually offering double money. <laughs> so how much? And it's like, how That's much are my ideals actually worth? Mm-hmm. And so then I'm confronted with this new thing where it's like. Basically, I'll I'll sell my soul. Like, what's my price? Basically, what what's my what's my price? Uh, the machine is trying to bribe me here. Yeah. And in the end, a lot of the time, I did just go in out of necessity. Yeah. But it was it was interesting to kind of to 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 think of it that way because I, I didn't a lot of the time I didn't have the language to. I, maybe I still do. I mean, I, I would still be in the same predicament. But but a lot of the time uh, it's difficult to kind of 
find an argument not it's very difficult to find an argument turn to turn money down in yeah. this society um it, it really is because it's it's got it's got its own logic to it where yeah. your 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 time just becomes money and there was so many aspects to it which i realized that people had figured out and had uh you know wrote on but i just never read any of it or anything it was mm. only late i mean that that uh, leftist mark fisher is actually quite good on this kind of thing where mm. every your, your your time is just reduced to money I mean, that, that's actually a Heidegger thing as well, because it's the it's the ultimate. You give away your time. Your time is the most precious thing you have. Yeah. And even that's been just quantified and reduced to a commodity. And because you're not in your you are time. It, you, it grows. It's your part of your being. Right. And so I love yeah. what you said there about that. No, this is mine. This Saturday is mine. And it's my dignity. It's my dignity. And I'm not going to surrender this. Uh, machine, and I think the more people that understand that there is a machine, and you feel the force of the machine, I think you can get sensitive to it and sense its pull. Ah, but it, you have to recognize it as a force of the techne. You have to recognize it as that's even Twitter, like you said about uh, the academic Asian video about taking not having the phone on you. You've got to realize that its being reaches out from itself, reaches out from the phone into you. And you don't realize it, but that's me. It makes you anxious. It's not just a disconnected thing. And I think if people are sensitive to that and recognize it, then they can hold to a, the principle of that um, because that's what overtime is. It's trying to use this machine to try to get you to, to do something. And you've got one life. It's yours. And that's, as Heidegger says, right? It's your own most... That's what makes you unique and authentic as a being. Being, it's only you can experience your death. Only you have your life, and the more you see it, the more you connect with this. And you've always got that being towards death. If you can re reconnect with it authentically and see it for a second and realize it, then I think that can help you withhold these forces that try to pull against us to disconnect from authentic being. But also, I think not just as a kind of bubble for everyone in the West or whatever, I think that particularly using English things too, because it's not just like Dasein or the, the, your being. Yes, these things, are good, it's good advice for everyone, but I think it's important to ground it in what your people used to do because it's part of your being. But anyway. It's, it's also that the, um, the, the, to the, the sort of the future orientation of things as well is that, you know, that it, it's, when, when you go to their houses, there's the there's the the kit the, the the fancy kitchen, which but but there'll be like a pile of takeaway boxes there because they've never got the time to use the kitchen because they're yeah. always at work. There's the there's the pile of well I would there's the pile like the DVD Blu-ray collection which never gets watched. Um, the the television will be on but it'll just be in the background and. All of these, like the holiday, which is like going to last a week, but it's still six months away. Yeah. All of these, all of these different things, all of the, they're all the the promise of something which is to come and never actually in the present. Yes. I mean, what one of the things that something like the iPhone does is kind of give an instant reward because it is there, it is there in the present. Mm. So they they can say, well, now I've got this. You know, I, I mean, I can watch the new 
sort of woke Star Wars movie on my Galaxy 20,000 uh, blah, blah, blah food. Uh, I'll watch it in little segments on my lunch breaks and whatnot. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it's a tragic story. I mean, one of the things, just on the, the land as well, and one of the things that I've, I, I've been sort of taking note of recently is, is uh, an area where I go walking in the northeast, and they've got these, um, so it's it's mainly like fields and you get like little forested deans. And um, there's a few of them, the, one of the more well-known ones up at Plessy Woods, but it's too busy for me. But one of the things uh, that I've noticed that I, I, I think is interesting is that the in the fields uh, in North Tyneside and Northumberland, well, North Tyneside's almost all concrete now, but mm. it's still a little bit. You'll see these very old woodland plantations, um, and the farmers seem to keep them there for a little bit. And uh, I think the, I think the National Trust is like prevents them from being chopped down, mm. but it'll it'll only be like a few hundred square yards of of, of woodland, and it looks like a plantation. Yeah. But it's not because the trees are very old, uh, very English. But it, it's just like a little splattering of it. And then, um, you, you know, and I think that's that's an interesting thing. Um, uh, because what I do is actually mainly just walk along the side of the farmer's fields and don't really mm. stick to the public footpaths. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a there's a lot of walking you can do. I mean... I'm going off on a sidetrack here, but I'll, no, I'll this just, is great. This is great. One, one, of, one of the things, one of the things that people do um, is the. I mentioned Plessy Woods before, yeah. and they think, okay, um, it's a nice day. I'm going to go for a. I'll get the wife, or I'll just go alone, and I'll go for a walk in the woods. Now, what they do now, now in the northeast, these, these places everywhere, but Plessy Woods is a place which is kind of, um, it, it, it's kind of like flagged up as being a place of beauty so mm. it's a sort of officially it's got like government approval to be yeah. a place of beauty it's got an official stamp so everybody just goes there and it's it's like mm. disneyland um yes and one of the funny things is that people ask me where i where i go on my walks and they're in private can you that, that where did you go where was it and in actual fact um if you walk along the roads of England, you, you will see actually um, public footpaths leading off. Mm. Um, and, and what tends to happen is that people just drive straight past them because they want to go to a more well-known, officially designated <laughs> beauty spot. And so they, they actually go straight past. Like there's, there's all these places which just get forgotten about. Nobody yeah. knows. Um, and you can be a little bit cheeky, especially this time of the year when the farmer's not too bothered, and you just go alongside, walk along the side of the hedgerows and the fields, and he doesn't care. They don't mind. They don't mind. They, they don't care. It's just one thing. If it's if it's summer and the crops are you know full, and then your dog's like crashing around in the corn or whatever, then he's gonna get he's gonna get a bit pissed off. To be fair, and he's got a right to. But um, I'm just gonna cough here. Yeah, you're right. And I think also you can, if you wear a, if you wear a flat cap and you wear just a tweed jacket, they're not that expensive. If you look traditional, honestly, people recognize that and they, oh, okay, that sort of belongs here in a way. I just mean it would help you to not be dressed in utilitarian wear and to not be, um, to not be looking like you don't belong. 
um, like yeah. your like your uh, your uh, icon, your avatar. Basically, yeah. you know, if you look like you're English, then they go that belongs there, right? People unconsciously notice that stuff. I I, I think it's an important part of the landscape. Tweet like this, for instance, it's just uh, you know, it's it's from the place. But yeah, you, you give give if there's a fellow on a tractor, you sort of give him a salute or a wave or something yes. like that. You you keep it respectful. You're on the you, you know you're not walk trampling across the crops or anything. Um, and you're okay, and and what that does is open up um, all of the all of these because we're overcrowded and everything. Yes. But the, if this, what I'm saying is, you can find a lot of quiet places. And so to get back to these little pieces of woodland, what I thought was interesting is that um, I, it, when it dawned on me that they're not actually plantations; they're too old. They're, they're mm. really old. Um, the, the, it's it's proper like sort of Tolkien Shire kind of woodland. It's fangorn forest, but there's yeah. just little sprinkles of them. And then you walk a little bit further and you see another one and you walk a little bit further and you see another one. And then um, I was thinking just like really, it really dawned on me last week and I was looking at this and I could see two of these sprinklings of little bits of woodland. And I thought this was once all one woodland they are just what's left over. So then it totally kind of, rev it was like a revolution because then I thought, oh, imagine what this would have been like when it was all like that. And yeah, what you have are these old little spots, these, these leftover bits, which are now isolated from each other. Whereas once it would have been one thickly forested area. Mm. <coughs> and the whole, the whole place was like that. And I think it's important to recognize that those questions are letting even your own historical being open to you, I think. It's not just a random speculation. It's when those things come to you, where do those questions come from when you're there? What's where it's coming from the unconscious. It's not it's not your propositional brain. It's something that comes up. It's recognized something, it's seen something in your being when you're out there in the forest, when you're doing these things. I think that point you make so well, and so much what you're saying, I 100% agree with, like everything. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. But this idea that you go to the places that are deemed beautiful, what you end up doing when you do that a lot of the time, and th that doesn't mean you can't break through that and see it, if particularly, and I've said this on my channel before, is that if you go to these castles, find a place to go to them when no one's there. Find a place at a certain time of day to see it in its in, in its in its unique form without the tourists and heidegger talks about this in his book too when he goes to greece they try to they go there when the tourists aren't there and that helps them attune to the being but the problem is when you go to these spots that are deemed beautiful you end uh, what happens is these people go and all they're doing is exploring their own already knownness of what that place is so they go yeah. walking around it and it's their inauthentic pre-mapping of it because they've seen it on tv yeah and so that and that's the problem. But what, if you do what you did, you're looking for something to unfold, something to discover. The world's chaotic. You, when your brain notices something, when something sticks out, a little pathway, pay attention. Go down that pathway. See what's there. You haven't mapped it before. You know? Yeah. Let it open to you. Yeah. The, the, this, this is why I think, because you get some people who like mountains, some people who like the woodland, and I, I, I like the sea. Um, and I think it's because the sea, as you were saying earlier, is uh, like unchanged. Uh, there's, there's, so if, if you go down and you sit on a rocks uh, up, up by Blythe or somewhere or wherever it is, 
Um, or you, you go on to Jurich Bay and you set up a beach caster. Like at, at Jurich Bay, there is actually old, um, there's like 2,000 year old sort of settlements, and you can mm. see where people actually huddled around fires. And there was one of them where they even found what kind of bones and what kind of shellfish they were eating. And wow. so, so what's what's great about that is that the, 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 you're doing the exact same thing. It's, mm. it's the line is then unbroken. Yeah. Um. Are you you know you you find things like that in in, in hill areas, but there's something about the sea which because it's it's a moving element, yeah. and I I like to think of it when I get a bit carried away as if the, the, all of the memories are kind of embedded within the water, which is sort of lapping up against the shorelines, you know, and it, yeah. it has this kind of it, it it has a kind of rhythmic rhythm to it as well. There's a channel that I like. He's actually a leftist. And um, he he had a he had a uh, interesting video. I forgot his name now. It's called um, Then and Now. He's called, and he had a, a great video which I watched a few years back called "The Shock of Modernity." Mm. And he was talking about how when the um, basically before the Industrial Revolution. It, it's difficult for us to kind of put ourselves in the shoes of the people then. But they, for example, didn't know what electricity was. When they looked mm. up at the sky, the sky had never known a jumbo jet. Mm. And with the Industrial Revolution came a lot of noises and a lot of uh, the tempo changed. And so before the Industrial Revolution, the only noises they had heard were um, metal on metal at a blacksmith's mm. or wood, wind. They had a, and the, they were all have a sort of rhythm to them. Yeah. But when you get to the Industrial Revolution, that changes and you get much more of this piston driven shunting, which, yeah. which, which is, and the, the words uh, in the language change. So words like shock and mm. panic and trauma. Mm. They they all came in with uh, and anxiety. They all came in with the industrial yeah. revolution, and the general point was that the, the it, there was a strain being placed on the being of yeah. the of the person, yes. which which was alien. This this is an alien world, yes. which which it is because you know we look back now the industrial revolution's best part of what well, say two hundred years ago. That's 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 nothing in the grand scheme of things, um, and and it didn't stop there. We've moved straight into the digital, the way, mm. way, which brings with it its own uh, forms of expression, which mm. which kind of reflect what we're in. But what's been fundamentally lost is the is this idea of the non-mechanical world, mm. uh, the, 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 because it, you can say well it became disenchanted, which it did. But there's also it's all of these the especially the shunting you know the, mm. the sirens and car horns yes. and there's a story that which where a train in America um, came off the rails and crashed and nobody knew nobody on the train even tried to save themselves there was this general sense of of just complete well shock because they nobody was used to seeing something that big and that heavy crash mm. uh, or just the sheer weight of it the magnitude of it all was was because they maybe did seen a train once before in their life but 
it was it was as if the human human mind had never witnessed something like that before um and i just i just thought that was that was really well said from him and i'm yeah. working i'm working on a larger project uh, sort of behind the scenes where i'm i'm going to sort of reframe that into some other things what i find that these leftists don't have that we do and the classical liberal idea is that they may be able to diagnose the problem of modernity but they don't beyond the individual they don't have the solution to, and that's why someone like you needs to delve into and redo these things because it's offering someone a genuine connection to their real community being, which is still authentically in them. And maybe we can also talk about here too, is that you're, you talked about mission before, and I think your best work really is, well, the, the, of, of course, because this is my affinity anyway, but this, the fire I'm talking about, that is this being that is unique to a people. When did you first get a sense of mission? Because there are a lot of men looking out there looking for a way to re-engage with England, to be a part of its teleology. For you, what was your inciting incident that brought you into, oh, I'm going to start articulating this, I'm going to start writing it. What were the events or the... Well, <clears throat> I think um, what happened was that throughout my, my younger years, uh, I, I, I did I, I read quite a lot, but I was... Um, I was kind of a fish out of the water, you know, on a council estate. And I was a, a few of our friends and we would talk about how kind of crap it was. But it, it, was, it, it wasn't nearly as bad as what things are now. We were kind of typical Gen X sort of cynics in the 90s. And, um, and then when I went to Europe and I lived on, on the continent for a long time and worked there, and then that, it was it became more political to do with the, the the situation with immigration, noticing that everywhere was turning into the same place, which I didn't like. Um, but I, I, again, I, the problem that I always had was I didn't have the language to to kind of formulate it properly. But that kind of side of things got pushed out for a, a kind of just just the experiences of of the dire political situation with the changing face of europe let's say yeah. i know we're, we're going to go on youtube but um it was then when i um after the sort of 2016 2017 era but then even on the earlier blog i would touch in to this suspicion that with it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't just about immigration it wasn't yeah. just about political correctness and these kind of narratives that we have to live by mm. but there was something more fundamentally wrong and when i began like reading and, and looking into people like heidegger or reading spengler and coming across more sort of philosophical things on the right it was like I went all the way back to my original disillusionment that I had as a young man and was thinking, okay, so that's why I felt that way. I just didn't know how to express it. That's why I was frustrated with the job and this in, in this kind of rat race and uh, how everything is looking the same and this the way we're just trapped like this mass, this, yeah. this work a mass. Uh, all of that felt alien to me, but the problem is the the system just doesn't want you to think about it. And mm. when I uncovered these uh, old, I think, as of the right, it kind of, the, the, then all of a sudden the, everything sort of fell into place. There mm. was the immediate, the dire immediate political situation, 
mm. and then that kind of melded with a, a, a older sort of disillusionment with modernity because mm. that's what we're talking about at the yes. end of the day. Um, and, and so all of a sudden the, uh, the, the, the politics and the disillusionment with modernity kind of melded together. And I was like, okay, okay, now, now I get it. Now I, I've, got, I've got a good sort of foundation to stand on. And what I want to explore more is the, the disillusionment with modernity. And mm. I began in finding it in funny places as well. There was a, an older um, blog post that I did on a video game called R-Type Final, which I was playing. And um, I mean, it's where there was a, there was a this it was just a sort of side scrolling shooty game mm. but there was something always a little bit ominous and weird about it um because you'd uncover and it, it was like they called them this this alien race mm. uh, they called the Baidu. and what you would do would uncover that there was something a lot more sinister going on they were doing experiments and they and eventually when you arrived at the end of the game and the boss, there was lots of hints given throughout. And it was really weird because you got this kind of big, big sort of disgusting blob, but then in the background was a silhouette of a man and a woman um, moving towards each other and then mm. coupling into like a, and beginning to sort of have sex. And then in the front of the screen, it was just like this furious fall of uh, sort of, swarm of these microbe DNA particles. Mm -hmm. I thought, what the hell is this? And then it transpired that what had actually happened was that a genetic experiment had taken place on Earth 500 years before Mm. and that the Baidu, and it had become so dangerous and so disastrous that they jettisoned it, they propelled it into space. And what I thought was interesting about that, looking back on it, um, was was the Baidu themselves had become this kind of entity which was just going to consume all mm. life and all matter. They yeah. were kind of transhuman, hybridized, alien techno, everything. And it was just this nondescript blob of, mm. of, of, of kind of consumption. And mm. I thought, and I thought that, I visited again and I thought this is amazing because this is actually this is actually a sort of meta commentary on mm. on like modernity and on technology in in the real world because that is like actually what's going on that that's the that's the problem it's this idea that just this this kind of technological biomass which just yeah. draws everything into itself um and so that that was an older one when I thought but it but is this actually a, a right wing what what is this way of looking at the world that i have i didn't i didn't know but of course now i kind of i know that i was kind of a revolt against the modern world reactionary yeah. all along i just yeah. didn't know it. that's how i feel too yeah <laughs> so you got so that was impel those events started to impel you to want to act to want to make content and to inform other people were you are you participating in your I'm just trying to get at the, the your way of life because you you know you might think it's uninteresting that the kind of routines you go through but people you know that live in suburbs and units it can help them a lot right so are you talking about these things in the pub because a pub a pub is a really important place for the Englishman to to uh, you might not I mean these are obviously kind of fringe uh, comp- it's a general pub is not gonna have people that think this way but 
are you getting your ideas from there are you talking about these sort of issues with the people around you how's the community yeah, evolved in this emergence for you I've 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 been lucky uh, I've been lucky because I've got a I've got a few good old friends uh who who uh, and even a woman uh, at one point uh, the, the the one now is not she's not that interested but the um <laughs> but um yeah I've, I've 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 especially like I mentioned earlier that I had a growing up and there was a couple of us who are cynical Gen Xers well, one of them's still around, and we'll go for a pint. The now we're, we're kind of like middle-aged men grumbling about the world, but uh, yeah, uh, it is. I mean, I did, I did, a, I actually got kicked out of the local pub uh, yeah. a, a, a while back for. Well, it wasn't a local pub, but I, because I wasn't being politically correct enough. Yeah, um, right. But uh, it was, it was a kind of pretentious kind of ale place, and I was like. Oh, again, yeah. I, I was like, at the end of the day, if if my if I'm to sit in the social club and drink the Guinness and Colin Black Label with like men who I can actually talk to, then so oh, yeah. be it. Yeah. Then so be it. Uh, yeah. I don't need your your hipster shite. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to. That's where I came it's from. The anyway. Company in the community. That's yeah, what's always yeah. been. Who cares about where it is? It's also the routine, right? It's a practice. You, because th there's people again. People I talk to that people are getting isolated. Even people that are successful or whatnot, they might go out. Even say you move to the wilderness, right? You've talked to some people on the Morgcast about the going out to the wilderness, but that community is really important because you enter each other's being. You are part of their world, and we don't want to lose that either, do we? We want to find a way somehow to keep these routines that people of the past used to have these that villagers used to have because that's where there was no schizophrenia like you were talking about right with modernism as it emerges this beating pistons you mentioned earlier before this era there was no schizophrenia it's only because of this and that's due to yeah. the social interaction the community the being we're supposed to be a part of this wider being so yeah how I mean, you probably I mean, still have that, right? You're walking through fields. You walk through on your way. You're part of something. You, you. It's important well, just to just just to finish this thought. Important just to walk through a village, even if you're not speaking to anyone, to see people, to walk through a field, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that um, in 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 my street, um, I live in a typical working class terrace, uh, and. It, it, you can see there's two kinds of people there's the, what you could call the wages and the the kind of the the benefits people and it's the you almost never see the the wages you will see them take they, they now here's the thing they've got better cars uh, and they've got money but what we all live in the same street but it's like there's two different streets because there's mm. in in the um especially in the warmer months they, they like the people who don't work full time. You can see them hanging around, and they'll be fixing cars. They'll be they'll be kind of gathering around. And they all they're always under a bonnet. They're always faffing around fixing cars and whatnot. But then, um, or, or just kind of hanging around. They're not causing trouble. They're just they're, just, they're all right. But then you get the other ones who actually work, and we don't know their names. We don't know anything about them. They arrive at, you know, they'll pull in, and they, they've got like those sort of 
fancy cheap things, uh, eco cars, and then they they kind of just go straight into their house. Their shopping will arrive like by delivery, and that that's that's the way you live. I mean, just before it's freezing here. I mean, it's it's got one degree and fog on on me computer there. Um, and I was just out before on the evening, the evening dog walk, and there's a fella up the street there, and he he was he just had a body warmer on, and he, I I had like a, I've got like a Belgian army jacket, and I had a thick woolly fisherman's hat on. And I'm, I'm all I don't know, and he comes out, and he's he's another thing they do, they're always painting stuff as well, and he comes out, and he's got nothing on but a t-shirt with a body warmer on, mm-hmm. and I, and uh, he's like, all right, lad. And I, and I look back at him and I know him, you know what I mean? And I says, wow, I says, are you kidding me? I says, it's 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 two degrees out here yeah, and you're yeah. still walking around with a T-shirt on, you hard <laughs> bastard. And, he, and, he, and it was just, and he was just like, well, I've got a body warmer on. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, wow, great. And here's me all done up like an Eskimo. Yeah. And it's these, these sort of little interactions are what yes. make uh, a, a kind of community worth living in. Uh, and I, I really like. I mean, there's the like the old woman as well who I mentioned earlier. There's 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 a lot of them. Uh, I mean, it's one of these things that people will will talk about it, but we'll just just yeah, just do it. I mean, one of the one of the best ways to get out and mingle, uh, to to meet women, you know, for the young lads, is get yourself a dog because uh, mm, you yeah. are forced to go out at least three times a day. Mm. Yeah, there's no way around it. You you are forced to go out yes. and mingle with the local community a lot. So one of the best things you can get is a dog. You know, mm. just a little a little terrier's great. Yeah, I think that is really you know those people. It's funny you mentioned that they're always doing something. They want to participate in something too, right? So that urge is there. There and it's small, like we said earlier. It's this little things. It's almost like God reaches out to you, these little things. And people just ignore these little golden threads they're offered that are there, if you look hard enough, to reach out and be a part of uh, something, a, commu- a wider community. But So for you, you read a lot of science fiction. I love Warhammer as well. I've watched your vid- uh, videos on Warhammer. Um, do you? What gives you people... A lot of your work is also about uh, half of it. All, well, I mean, like you said, your mission... Maybe you can talk about your mission, define it, but um, this vitality, what do you do for vitality? Like, What things give you a sense of vitality, energy to do what you do? What verse, poetry, science fiction, like where, where gives you the impetus to do what you do that others might be able to? It could be a ritual, a practice that you do other than that maybe you've got a new practice that you are enacting other than fishing or whatnot. Um, like you mentioned whiskey before. But yeah, anything, anything that gives you vitality that others might be able to take away. And I, I, I think it's, I think it probably, it, it kind of, um, what, what once, once you form a ritual of being outside a lot, mm. then, then other things naturally follow because you're able to then sort of think about things more thoroughly and outside of the frame, mm. and so you, you, there'll be something which will occupy your mind, um, and you can just think it. Th- through thoroughly uh, uh, sort of in the abstract for a long long time which you can't do if you're just constantly bombarded with other things so so w- one one thing let's say uh, going for a lot going for long walks every day uh, it leads to another 
because mm. then you you're, you're you've already set up one thing and then the next thing is well you know i've got i've got kind of freedom to think for a while here and it mm. may be where um i mean an example would be say uh, that uh house of the dragon thing was would be a minor example well you know i don't want to just go into the doom and gloom stuff which yeah. i think about so I, i'm kind of just looking at a, a cultural thing that you've looked at um and it, it kind of bounced it came out the same time as the catastrophic amazon tolkien abomination mm. and I, I was just interested in thinking i wonder why that why that succeeded because that was also kind of diverse and a little bit woke um and i came to the conclusion that it was because women w women loved it uh whereas the the amazon thing alienated women and yeah. and then it was like well okay so why and then and then it occurred to me that because the george r, r. martin is essentially gossip whereas mm -hmm. the tolkien stuff is more masculine it's more yeah. about the world itself and it, it is more uh it is like a masculine world it's set up with a masculine mind in, in from the start whereas if you look at george r martin's more liberal postmodern mm. world i think that appeals more to women and and what what eventually sank the amazon disaster was that women just weren't interested in it because, mm. because it doesn't speak to women whereas the gossipy kind of backstabbing yeah. the, the incest and all of that and, and mm. backstabbing in in house of the dragon that does appeal to women um and i, I wrote a, i wrote an essay on that as well i mean i actually did one a while ago a, a recent one which was actually about like literally about because when the 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 dark nights came in i had to come in off the off the fields and mm. then they walk around in the in the, the housing estates again and one of the things that I noticed, you can't, I've got to be careful because it sounds like I'm a peeping Tom or something, but you just can't avoid the fact that the people have got their curtains wide open mm. and the televisions they've got now, it, like they're literally the size of a wall. Mm. And, and, I, and it was just this whole general sense of coming in, this everything, everything is liminal space. I mean, even the old streetlights, um, the, the old streetlights had this, the, 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 what what was it they use a phosphorus or what, what was yeah. it that they used to use or they do now sodium the sodium uh yeah. style, like they they had like a kind of yellow glow mm. with, with to them but the ones they've got now are these led things and they yeah. give a different kind of everywhere now is like liminal space like some mm. creepy liminal space yeah. constantly changing. whereas in the in the past you it would have this more kind of yellow soft glow at night yeah. and now you get like a kind of creepy kind of horror dystopia effect from the led streetlights but and so that was one thing and and then it was just the, the just realizing just how gigantic these televisions that people have now mm. um and and i was i was it was like the light was just splashing through the windows and coming out all over the mm. all over the street and everything and I realized that when they switched the television off, uh, this is what I got into in the article, uh, televisions the size of walls. Well, there's a there's a kind of incentive to keep the television on at all times because yeah. if you've got the gigantic television like that, it's it's like if you switch it off, you, then you've just got this giant black mirror in the in the yes. wall, just just a literal abyss, just this yes. <laughs> a giant. Yeah, just, you're right. Screen of nothingness 
So if it's so it's not it's not just the attraction of the images. It is the fact too that it, it, it you're right that it's black and it's just reflecting things. It's not that if it could just disappear. I think you're right. It would be a different effect, wouldn't it, to switch yeah. it off? But this idea, you're right. It's it's, it's it stops but, us from dwelling with the silence. Which yeah. we, you need to go through that the nothingness to get to meaning and being. But sorry, I interrupt you. It, it, it well, it, as I, I in the article I, I pointed out, like you know, if you you can trace the the direction of all of this, and the television went from being a box in the corner of the room where people people would look towards it, but they they, they oftentimes. Like in in my grandmother's house, you had to turn to look at the television. The television was not given priority. It was there, but it was not front and center. You had, it. and then the the then of course they became the center of the living room, and then they became much bigger. And then I think the big change in recent years was that when when you got the flat screen TVs, the designers then thought, well, there's no reason for them because they're much lighter. We can put them on a wall like a picture, mm. and then for the first time, the <clears throat> the people in the living room are gazing upwards towards mm. the the television, yeah. and then what happens is the television um, has has kind of broken the bounds of gravity because now it, it is it is it's, it can just literally spread right across the wall. Yeah. And and so <laughs> and, and I, they've got them now, and I just think these are so huge. And what they do is, um, because you 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 can't switch it off because there's just this kind of desolation on the wall mm. of, of just like a monolith, a, a Kubrickian monolith on the wall. Yeah. Um, and so what they'll do is is turn it on, but turn the sound off. So. Instead, yeah. then the backdrop, the backdrop to their lives is just this flashing images of like horrible TV shows and everything. Yeah, and that's a dis it's kind of a disgusting medication. That is a, and I know that it, Tim Ferriss mentioned that as a way, as something to do to make yourself not feel lonely when you're writing or doing your work. But there's something gross about that because we're not supposed to have a centralized things beamed into our living rooms of other people who have nothing to do with us that are not in our context, that are not in our village, that are not in our, the idea that you have that in the background because your authentic being is calling you to yourself when you feel lonely, you know, that's your being saying, don't do this. Like go. And what that does is it's sort of, it's a, it's a gross medication. Like when you medicate people who have mental issues, like, uh, well, I might, this is for YouTube, so I won't go into the transgender people. But when people have, you medicate things that actually are supposed to be reordered by by a function, which is that, you know, and by putting that television on there, up there, that's worship. Attention's worship. So you're making yeah. that your god. Yeah, <laughs> you're making yeah, that literally. in the machine and and being controlled by it. And it's tough. This is really tough too, right? And this, I think, this helps people. You can wean yourself off this stuff. And I think also when you wean yourself off it, and you can use, you can exact the technology to actually help you get a blocker. You can get it for your computer, get rid of the TV, for instance. You should just get rid of that. And if you're going to watch something, watch it on your computer. Perhaps your wife won't allow you to do it. I don't know. But watch the stuff on your computer because then your computer, you can have a blocker that can go off on a time. So at least you can then use that tech, exact it to wean you off that. 
So you get in a situation. So what I will do is that at night I'll have my blocker turn on because I want to read at night. I prefer to read at night, not watch YouTube videos, right? And so yeah. you can wean yourself off that because it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to you have this idea, oh, I've got to watch something when you're tired at night. But no, you, if you don't have that available and you can't do it, you're actually quite happy to read, to, you know, to read. Yes, yeah, yeah. When it's, you get uh, used to it. And you can get yeah. used to, and then you want to go out, and you want, and you will. Then you, it's much easier to see stuff out, Englishness, to go out to the countryside and see these things because you haven't been assaulted in your brain. People don't realize that what you see on television, what you see at the movies, this is a powerful, almost a religious thing. It's going into your brain and your being. You're absorbing that into your being. What what you what you see is dangerous. You got to be careful with what you look at. Yeah. I, I think I think the 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 article that I did on the on the giant the, the giant television screens is is kind of like the 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 I, I have to come in off out of the field so I'm I'm like a stranger wandering suburbia he has mm. like and I put it he has where the normies dwell so mm. I, it was it, I framed it very much as like I'm an outsider uh wandering these dark sort of noirish streets and I can see them all inside with their giant televisions and they're like an alien people, which, which is kind of ironic because I was just saying before that the people in my street I actually get on with, um, yeah. which, which is true. But there, there is an element of, of normiedom there. there there's truth in what you do. You are almost like English being coming in from the fields because you have absorbed <laughs> it. It's true, though, and you, you're seeing it. You are it. But anyway, go on. Yeah. And then it's like the, the no matter what they do, the television is never not present. Yeah. Um, it, it's always there imposing itself. And then, you you know, you connect it, as I put it, as the, the Scylla and Charybdis, as the giant telescreen and the iPhone. It's sort of, mm. the, 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 if you don't get one, you'll get the other. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... But, it's yeah. I Sorry, go. I thought you'd. But yeah, that there, there there was an element of of this being like looking in from the outside of it all, mm. um, which was, it's it, it's it's kind of sad just to mm. see it because it's the, the the actual quality of the content on the television is just so abysmal. Yeah, I think too. What you mentioned just that idea of you coming in from the the fields that in my thought about English being, I feel that. I feel that authentic English being and our, which is connected, our moral impulsions to our greatest heroes. Uh, and you mentioned this also in your St. George video. I think all these things, they're underneath there. I think they, they're like you wandering into the television. They're saying, hey, and I think this is what the death of the monarch is. And I wouldn't mind hearing about your thoughts about that, not about the royal himself, but or perhaps about the royal himself. But anyway, well, it's, it's think... the being of the, it's almost like, I think that it's being, English being is calling to us. The king, the over king, I call it. This overarching spirit is saying, come back to me and see me. Come back to our authentic tradition. So, I don't know, maybe you can comment on that and perhaps the death of the monarch and the ceremonies. And... Well, it's it's kind of related. The two of them are related. I did a video this year that I'll probably, um, that I'll, I'll probably think it was the, the best video that I've done this year it was called, and the band played on. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. I, so, and yeah. th that like, once again, I was just out wandering around um, in in Northumberland with a dog, and I came across it was this this brass band kind of wafting mm. over the fields. I was going to whip out the telephone and do one of the kind of on the spot videos that I did, but it was too windy, and I couldn't get the I couldn't get the sound. It was it wasn't going to be right. It's terrible with the wind. 
and I, I logged it and I thought, I'm going to come back to that. What's just mm. happened? Because there was this, um, and it was, it, it's funny because it was just before the Queen died, but what, what it was was this um, brass band playing for a village in Northumberland, which had had a massive mainland disaster uh, mm. just before World War One, And there was a vicar there and he was giving a sermon and they had the, the, the local people there. And then it was um, just the way the brass band was playing at intervals in between it all. And I just thought, I just thought it was such a profoundly powerful, beautiful, rare thing. Yes. And I thought, I, and I was thinking, I remember when I was a boy, because you had the, the coal mines, you had the, the unions, and you had brass bands. So the, the, the girls go down the street with the pom-poms and, and all of this kind of thing. But it had been years and years since I'd actually heard the brass band play. Um, and and I, I was listening to what the vicar was saying, and he was, it was like a, a long history of the village. And the representatives of the, the village were right there. They're their descendants, the, the great grandchildren, um, the grandchildren of the people, you know. And uh, I, I just thought, so once again, I just thought it was so powerful, so moving. Yes. And I thought, again, like, why? So, okay. Why? It, when when you when you begin to deconstruct it all again, and you, or you can be cynical and you and all of this, and the it really it's because um, the conclusion that I came to was what, what earlier I was talking about when you see these little cracks of light of authenticity of real Englishness uh, kind of coming through, is as if someone's kind of poked holes in a wall and you can see the light coming through the holes, and and um, what I realized was that for whatever reason, the current kind of paradigm, it it, it had forgotten about the, the brass band sort of uh, aesthetic and the history mm. and, and the connection of the people with their local mining local, town yeah. And, yeah. and the whole history behind it. For example, the vicar was saying... Um, he mentioned the mining disaster and one of the things the men because in the northeast that happened a lot yeah. uh, and in wales uh, and one of the things that would happen would be the men would go down the pits and they'd have their sandwiches in metal tins and the reason for that metal tins with uh, paint on and the reason for that was that if they if there was a mining disaster and they got stuck down there usually it was because they couldn't get out and they were going to suffocate and so what they would do would be able to scratch their names and the goodbye messages on the the, the, the lunch boxes. So they, they had uh, enamel or paint lunch boxes. And then if the worst happened, they could scratch it, they could scratch it on. And their mothers or their wives would know whose lunch box mm. that was. Um and, and the, the but this this was the what the vicar got into how the this caused outrage at the time and people had decided enough was enough and they needed more regulations in the mines and, and all of this kind of thing he then went on to world war one and world war two and and i just thought so this is the history of this whole village here um but yeah. but what what what's really special is that this is something which the 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 current uh, sort of courting uh, of of of, of Techni and, and global homo and uh, yeah. uh, it, it it's 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 forgotten about this thing mm. 
it's it's it hasn't territorialized it it hasn't conquered it and and or bastardized it or warped it in some way and so what i'm looking at here is this in in a real form like the, the, this it, it's just sort of slipped through the cracks and I'm, I'm here enjoying it and um it was it was just such a beautiful thing yeah. and the, the 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 problem with that the problem with this and it, it's a bit of a heideggerian issue is that the more that you dwell on it and think about it the more that it's be, the, the authenticity is going to be squeezed out yeah. of it dissolves yeah yeah so so it's like in in a in a way if i if i'd pulled out the phone and actually done the video there and there on the spot it would it would have been one thing but what actually happened was that i i, I noted i made notes and then I came back to it months later, but by that time it had become sort of reified, and it had become, it had become in my mind something actually, true, something say sort of more than what it was. Um, mm. But the actual, the, the the real authentic bit, in a way, I'm I'm kind of glad that I didn't just get it live on the camera because that yes. actually still exists in an authentic way. But then I can put together a YouTube video and I can use old clips and all of this. And it's a way for the, all of the audience to sort of, in, I was trying to express, you know, I got all clips of like jazz bands from Walls yeah. End in the 1970s. And I used uh, jazz, uh, the, the, the brass band music, Abide By Me and everything. And, and what I was trying to do was then to sort of pr get, bring in the audience so that they could yes. then um, get the feeling, again, the feeling yes. of it. Uh, but if if I'd actually got it all on the camera there and then, I don't I don't think it would have been the same. I, I no, don't think it... no, because you what you and this is such a really important point that you're making here is you've got to be careful. People in their tourist traps, they're going around with their cameras. Don't almost sometimes it's better to don't even have a camera. Um, obviously, you need it because you're on YouTube. You're doing whatever. You might be recording by the river or something, right? But letting it unfold to you in its being i talk about this exact thing in my video about the funeral it's just listening getting rid of the bbc commentator and just seeing these rituals unfold don't think about it. don't let the propositional mind take over right and the reason why you were able to do this because it opened it to you into your being and then when you re-articulated it and perhaps it wasn't inauthentic when you said you it made something bigger than it was hang on Maybe that was that's more authentic than the moment that you were in because you've captured it in your being and it's connected to the historical being that's in you and the true significance, but by your thinking about it later, actually unfolded it, you know, just because it's in you doesn't mean it's an authentic. I yeah. think more that you actually, because, firstly, because you didn't take your camera out, you just let it unfold, firstly. The secondly, so then when you're looking at you again, you're looking at it, if that's not that's still it authentically and it's unfolding more it's like when you the logos when you uh when you mutually opening when you're discovering new idea that that's that's authentic you 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 uncover the truth in it and it's true significance i think that's the mission morgoth that's the mission to get that authentic english being across and find these cracks so people can see them so we can retain them that's the mission because without that none of the politics even the power, there's no direction. If the power takes power, they have no teleology. They don't have this. There's no direction for them to do it. It's pointless. What's the point to going to Mars? All these things, if you don't have some sort of teleology. Yeah. If you don't have the folk being. 
that's the mission, right? Of course, credit, we need people to, there's so many great people that criticize things well and these politics wonks and all that. But without this fire, this secret fire, what's the point of it all? If we can't reconnect with the traditional it's, being, it's pointless. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's difficult because on a video like that, um, I mean, I got a few comments and people were saying that I, I was sort of reveling in nostalgia. Um, and and there's, there, there's an element of truth to that, but I think it's kind of missing the point because it, it what, I mean, why, why is it that a nostalgia exists in the first place? What actually is that? And what it is, is hearkening back to a, 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 a form of being which, which no longer exists, but which probably did exist in the past. And I'm actually convinced that it, it did. I, I think we are just slowly drifting away from it's it. Still it's still that. It's in your having been. It's still part of the historical being, yeah. right? It's just covered over with inauthenticity. I say this all the time on the channel is that the historical being still there in your being. That's what calls you to these things. I don't believe this nostalgia. You can make nostalgia with bullshit fantasy, thinking about your memories too much. But the idea that yeah. you look to a brass band that's still there and you're yeah. thinking, what does this really mean? And that's nostalgia. No, you idiot. It's still a ritual that's being performed. People are yeah. still doing it. And even if it's not, I mean, looking into history, it's still you you find that. I mean, it's helpful when it's rituals and a religion that's still going. But no, if 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 you can start those rituals up again, no, it's that's not nostalgia. I think the nostalgia people mean when they think that is thinking back to your own the particular memories in your own life, perhaps. But look well, into that. Sorry, go. There's, 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 I think what, what interests me as well is that I want to get beyond the. It, I mean, a video like that is, is well, a lot of my videos are like this. But what, I, what I'm trying to do is, is touch uh, certain sort of folk memories and, and uh, collective understandings, which are exclusive to us. They're not universal. Yes. Yes. And so, uh, so when when you say it, because you know there's arguments going on, on on Twitter right now, I've just did an article on Substack earlier, um, related to the census uh, and all of this, and, and and one of the things that one of the things the argument right as we speak, what one of the arguments is going on Twitter is is the way they're deconstructing the English identity. Um, we are a nation of immigrants. We are uh, all, all what, 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 what about the Celts? What about the Romans? What about all the Normans? What about blah, blah, blah. All, all of these, we know what it is. We know, we know what that is. So what interests me is, uh, um, I want to touch on sort of folk memory for us, which is exclusive, but which doesn't have to be spelled out explicitly. We we just kind of know it. It's and one unfortunately, yes. it, well, it, it, a lot of it is in the past, but it's a past which is not territorialized. Mm. It's it's a past so. which, which which hasn't really um, been under the eye and been deconstructed, and broken apart. And, yes. and so no one so has articulated I, this stuff properly. Like it's the work's to be done with this. But sorry, I interrupt you. <laughs> go, yeah, go. go. Yeah, so so an, an example of this would be um, the, the the brass band video because uh, I mean the comments in it there was people saying they were crying, there was people there yeah. was people saying they were they were actually crying their eyes out, and what I'd and and it's because there is is something being touched in them, um, yeah, awakening is... in them, which is more than than which is more primal than 
sort of just saying, well, we have this DNA and, and we are yeah. like, we are the English because we are white. You, we, we've got to get, as Jonathan Bowden said, beneath the mind. Yeah. It's, it's, it's underneath. It's not that. Like, it's the soul. It's the transcendent. It's part, we possess a soul. It's in your procedural memory. It's in your, again, people can't see it. They think, oh, I don't have it as a proposition. No, it's in the procedural procedural memory you can't access. It's just something you have. It's like a learned procedural uh, practice, for instance, right? Those things affect you. You absorb it from your you absorb it from your father in your developmental stage. It's like right early on, this perspectival knowledge. This is like cognitive science backs up everything you're saying. The soul is a thing. And when you make videos like this, and I have the same comments when I when I articulate these things in the folk tradition, Robin Hood and reconnected and connected to our current behaviors, our patterns of action from our greatest heroes, people have that emotional response as well. They, you know, I read even certain verse, like Kipling was so great at articulating this. Like, I am the land of their fathers and me the virtue stays. I will bring back my children after certain days. Uh, it's, it's the virtue stays. That means in the mind, it's the soul stays. Um, you know, it, it's, it's that being is, isn't, past like i already said it's in your ha it's underneath it's in your existential being for now for now if we can act now because eventually you could kill it you could kill it and they're trying to with the replacement they're trying to with uh, all the work they've done it's still it authentically there underneath though that's the point people need to get across these people that call it nostalgia well hang on it's still a part of our being underneath and if we can get rid of the ideas and the propositions the inauthenticity, people can see it, and that will drive them and give them energy to be able to resist this. So it's important. It's important yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I did another one, an old video, which, which, which was just about Classic FM and how the Classic FM had this huge boost in numbers a few years back. Um, and, and I knew because I was working in a warehouse where I had to listen to crap at FM all the time and it was torture. I, I, I said it was in London. They had had this um, massive rise in, in people in London listening to classic FM. Mm. And, and, and I, my hypothesis was that um, this, this is our people switching off the Radio 1 and all of the, that other crap and they are going to um, uh, classic FM, mm. and I knew. Now I knew that the what I was I was preempting the comments that I'd get. It was an older video, but I was preempting the comments that I'd get under it because they would be saying, "Does this mean they're getting red pilled and stuff?" And, and I was like, "Well, no, it doesn't." But because these people will be liberals they'll be green they'll be uh, absolutely uh, sort of opposed to to identitarianism and like the people who watch my videos but their revealed preference is <laughs> the what their revealed Real preference is they, they can't escape what they are can't help it they That's can't right. help it. They can't change what they are. And all of those libtard values are just yeah. superficial. Like a little, Inauthentic like a little bullshit. Go. Yeah. Like, a, yeah, like a little crust above, uh, you know, just occupying their, the, the upper part of their brains. Well, you, you break through that crust and they are switching off Stormzy and Beyonce and going back to Wagner and Mozart, just yes. like everybody else. 
And I think this is why I want more, in a way, I, I, I'm counterintuitive on this. I want more woke. Give me more woke Lord of the Rings. Give me more woke of all of this stuff, right? Because it's drive them to, you've got people on now watching storytellers that are on, on our side of things. They're happy to just now listen to someone, right? Just tell a story on YouTube. Millions of people like watch someone like uh, Count Dankula, even though he's not fully on the side of things. But other people, storytellers, there's artists, there's emergent, dissident, uh, right, art people that are doing stuff like you're doing now, right? Drives them for now, it drives them to this because what it does is it makes them inefficient. It makes the, their machine inefficient because ultimately underneath, it's this value hierarchy that we have. It's this being that people want to see imbued in the work that they watch. And the more they go woke, the more of it, the more it makes it so that they're, they're driven to to seek stuff that is imbued with this, if we can get it, because they don't know how. They don't want to know how. So that's perfect evidence that you've articulated right there of people going on the radio. It's, it's increasingly totalitarian and repulsive. It isn't, mm. it isn't where in um, the 90s and the early 2000s, there, there was an element of, of sophistication about it, and you could... You, you could make yourself feel quite clever. Um, you know, I remember the, the, the kind of uh, Team America, uh, World Police, that there was, there was a kind of, there, there was something to it where you could convince yourself you are really clever for getting the jokes. Mm. But, but all of this and the politics was, in my view, more insidious in the past. Yeah, it was worse. It's bad. Yeah, and, and, and today it's, it's just like a sledgehammer. It's it's mm. it's just relentlessly dumb and horrible, and uh, and and that doesn't that that isn't our people don't like that too much, mm. they, they, because it's becoming plebeian, um, mm. it, it's becoming just ridiculously dumb, and mm. the the I think there's a danger for that if you want to keep control of the minds of the people. Uh, oh, it's a it, danger for them certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's a danger for them. Yeah. I think that that's why I want more of it. I want more, but I mean, who knows how long? I think some of these Hollywood types are cluing in to be more clever. Like I think you mentioned yeah. the House of the Dragon. So I don't yeah. want them to clue in. I want the woke people to really possess it. I think Disney's not coming back. That's good. I think that'll stay woke. Um, I want that because it drives it to drives people to because really, if they're not sneaky about it, our proper immune response. That's what it is. Really, it's an immune response of authentic English being. And wherever you are, uh, Kansas, New, Ze New Zealand, Australia, that authentic being sees it and goes, no, there's something wrong here. And then we can show them the truth of being. Yeah. The, there's an element of, as well as just the way people consume media. Um, because because I, a, lot, a lot of it, a lot of it, I find the, the is, is kind of, I mean, apolitical. It, it's sort of. It's it's just it's just expressing certain ways of being. Like there's a there's an, an example of this is is the um, there's a for some reason if I go on BitChute every now and then I must have subbed to some channel for a long time ago. It's she's an she's an Austrian girl called um, Prepper Lily or something. She's 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 a she's a beautiful, very very Germanic, very um, proper and efficient. <laughs> a lovely Austrian woman who explains to people what they what they should do in the energy and in the like what you know what how you should uh, not buy a new car and all these like basic basic little clips uh, uh, basic tips on how to prepare for for mm. the the catastrophes which are coming 
But what I think is interesting is that I thought, well, what is her actual politics? Um, and she isn't she isn't explicit about it. But given that she's a prepper, um, she, she's probably right leaning. She's probably somewhat conservative. But it's it's actually hard to tell. And it, it, it's also that she's just a very en like enchanting and lovely person. Um, mm. You know, that she's got that kind of slightly hectoring German way about her, which is, is <laughs> the, the element of the school teacher. This, yeah, systemic. Which is, also, uh, which is also adorable at the same time. Yeah. And it's probably the, ac the, the accent that does it. Yeah. But the, the, the point is, um, just just as, as a sort of a form of media, like I don't see why there's there's something which your average libtard would also find in that. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's another kind of common ground that there's these things that they just can't get rid of, you know. Mm. Um, and when you're talking about everybody just consuming different media, it could be that there is this kind of magnet effect where because you know people are watching different streaming channels as netflix is this there is this there in the old days you know in the good old days it used to be on sunday night everybody would watch like take the high road with harry seacom and uh what the the, the the auctions show antiques road show and all of this <coughs> but um i wonder I, I, what i'm trying to get at is I wonder if there's been this great disintegration in, in how people consume media over the last yeah. 20 years or so. And I'm, I'm interested to see how that will begin to reformulate, as if the, mm. the, 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 sort of the drop units are coming back together. Um, and and, and it, the sort of Austrian, Austrian prepper lily would be a kind of place where different kinds of our people would uh, sort of converge, I think. that That's something to look out for. I think you're right, because... The centralization was always a big problem. The idea that you've got the BBC beaming into your house, that's bad. That's unnatural. We used to have community theater. People used to act out Robin Hood plays every May Day to each other. Everyone played a part. They used to enact Robin Hood. We're not supposed to watch actors, people play, pretend on the screen. But there is something interesting, like you say, with the break apart of all the different, it's kind of the opposite of localization, but it can reform into localization because it's decentralized in a way, maybe if it's not gamed and manipulated, people should naturally attract to their authentic being if they can get a touch of it from someone else. Or and like you say, sort of, if you, so, yeah, I think so, if you so. present Englishness, if you present Englishness as it is, people are on my channel that I did not expect this is people that are sort of slightly on, on, on the left. And they know I'm on my politics and they don't seem to mind that paid members, uh, Church of England people. And I thought that was strange that they, but uh, because I just present English being maybe that they're interested on both, uh, you know, other sides. Yeah, so the, a, the, yeah. There was a, there was a leftist uh, blogger did a, a sort of response to, to me in general. Um, and, and he, he wanted to know why I was uh, getting so many views on on like on social media when the, uh, as opposed to like a leftist. And he even said that on on many issues, his his main his main problem was that people like me were kind of cooking the left uh, on on economics because I'll speak, I'll call out corporations, I'll call out wage slavery. Um, and I'll actually, I'll actually, yeah. what they would consider, I'll take their territory off them. But then I'll also 
add in other things as well, which they really don't like. And the funny thing about that is that he doesn't actually have anything to offer except those materialistic talking points. Um, I mean, I just, I just, I just, the, just before we, we we began the conversation, I did a post on Telegram. There was a thing I saw on Twitter, and um, it was of a, a sort of old, about the the census again, and it was a kind of old fashioned socialist type Tony Benn style sort mm. of leftist. And he was saying, like, why are they all going on about white British on the census and uh, Nigel Farage and all this? Well, why don't they instead, like, take more notice that all of the English, like, seven out of ten English water companies are owned by foreigners? Um, and I, I responded by saying, look, at the end of the day, like, the problem with your the old left criticism of neoliberalism is that it doesn't go far enough. Mm. Of course it's ridiculous if... Um, all of these water companies, English water companies, are owned by uh, foreigners. Yes, that is preposterous. Uh, yeah. But that, but they're doing that to the population. They're reducing the population yeah. to just another commodity. That's they're right. Like, uh, to <laughs> the material point. Yeah. So, so let let's go all the way on this. Then, if you're going to call out this this kind of techno capital uh, pilfering of nations then why stop at these material goods? Why don't we go yeah. all the way and say you don't do that to the people either? Yeah, they're living in a paradigm of the techne. They, I, that's, I think, that's yeah, why we we're are, always yeah. getting censored. We're always getting censored because we, ha- I think some of us have the a connection to the authentic being. We're not stuck in this techne loop. Well, look, we're all a part of it. That's, that's true. But we get out of it. We, there's a way out, right? They don't have that way out. That's Heidegger talked about this is that even communism, communism and what happened in uh, the Austrian painters thing, they were still economic in the end of the day. And that was the problem. It wasn't mm. the, the being and the tradition of it. But yeah. Yes. It, and so when when because they, they don't have any way out of it, because all they will in the end offer is uh, equality of stuff. Mm. And it's like, well, the stuff is actually just a, a means to an end, if it's even that, you know. Yes. Um, I, I don't, I don't need lots of technology to just in, like go, enjoy life. Uh, what what we need is time. Yes. We need we need this uh, this this system which is like electrodes just being sort of forced into our brain. We need to remove the wiring. Yeah. Not it's reassemble like- it not reassemble it and driving us to have in this endless having mode. It's the having mode. I'll have this. I'll have a retirement. I'll have this some other time. No being now you've got yeah. your time is happening right now. And they're driving you to want stuff you shouldn't want. I even see this with people like uh, Sam Hyde. I wonder why he buys a Porsche, you know, you're still in the having mode. You know, it's, it's, you see they're, they're connected to it. Be there's just this opportunity to get away from that on our side of things that You've got to be careful. There is that American tendency uh, to be really wrapped up in that. <clears throat> Even they are authentically. Their being is, is supposed to be like ours. But, you know, of course, that's that's deeply changed them. Um, yeah, to know that we won't go down that rabbit hole of America because that's complicated culturally. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, we're coming sort of up to a close here. Um, I just want to, I guess, what all the last question I would ask is, <clears throat> What would you recommend to people that are sort of trying to get into this world and sort of impel them into this way of thinking, into this, uh, 
into vitality, into it could be a practice, could be a ritual, could be anything. I mean, you've already brought it up some already, but um, in the conversation, um, and you do on your videos, so I would recommend that already. But maybe there's something new you're experimenting with, a ritual, or yeah. What 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 I'm trying to get back to is reading uh, quite bad books or or books which are also off a beaten track. Mm. I've loved uh, more. I've spoken of this before, but I've loved Maurice Duron's. Uh, the Accursed Kings series, mm. uh, which is actually the inspiration of, of George R. R. Martin's uh, Song of Ice and Air. Um, be because what, what, what I what I've realized is that again, like it, I've all, I've, it's it's nice to because I know the kind of people who watch this, and it's like it, there's it's nice uh, to get into political philosophy all the time, but there's also a space for just enjoying a good book, like a good mm. saga. And when it's an older one, it's which has got nothing connected to the world, which has got no um, because I am guilty of this as well. Is is this idea where I'm going to read something like say the Forever War because I know it's about a sort of gay communism in the future, mm. but but that, but the, there's something to be said for reading. Uh, novels which have got nothing to do yeah. with, with, with which which do not have political hot takes in them and uh, in any way because what you can do and again this is part of a larger project um that i'm working on the first chapter but the it, it interests me that it, you can have fictional characters in a work of, of by Dostoevsky or Charles Dickens or any any of them, Moby Dick would be a good one. There there are fictional characters who are more authentically human than many of the humans who inhabit the world today. There yes. there are fictional worlds. There are fictional people, and the and King Philip of France or Queen Isabella in the Iron King is a more well-rounded and well-fleshed-out person than most of the people arguing on Twitter about the census are right now. Mm. Um, and that fascinated me. And I thought, how did we get to this? Mm. And if I'm going to go down that route, let's play with it. Let's run with it. Because, you know, the, the God Emperor of mankind, yeah, there's nobody like that. He, he is still... Less, less. That's just that's just <laughs> not really a, 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 a sort of a, a real person. But um, maybe Raskolnikov from Crime and Punishment is actually a more rounded person uh, who's a fiction person. But maybe he is actually more of a, a well fleshed out. And, and more rounded individual than some of these wraith people that we have in the real world today. So if where do you draw the line? So we can't say that the um, the God Emperor of Man, obviously that there's no yeah he he isn't he is more of a fictional person than these weird wraith people that we see in the real world today. Um, but but then where do you draw the line exactly? You know, and you can actually single out like certain people as well. The political class, um, somebody like Rishi Sunak. I I've never met anybody like that. I've mm. I've read. I, there's more realistic people in novels than what he is who've got yeah. more depth of character who've got more personality who've got more empathy and more warmth that, than somebody like that and yet they're purely fictional 
And yeah. I, I find that fascinating. Uh, uh, well, I think you've, you're tapping into something there because that's what an artist does is they open up, if it's a good art, they're not propagandizing. They've just written and it's come out of their being. They've articulated something out of their being. And the trouble is the way people are educated in Hollywood and all that, and of course it's possessed now anyway, before that even too, they are educated studio executives from the ma mailroom up to see theme. That's where this message came from, right? But as David Mamet says, <clears throat> you don't discover that till after. It comes out of you. And so if you're authentically doing something, you should have opened the authentic being of something. Whereas, you know what this Rishi Sunak or whatever these people are, they're basically like a shitty B-grade propaganda. That's their true person, though, <laughs> right? Yes. It's a shit, like a shitty person has written it. Uh, and that's the facade of their persona that they're putting on. A hundred percent. I know it because I've seen shitty B-grade scripts, D-grade scripts, and that's exactly what they look like. That's I, what they sound like. I, 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 I can accept that a man um, who has been in fighting wars, a soldier of the British Empire who's been signed up for maybe 20 years, and all he's known is putting up his fighting, fighting wars, getting shipped around the world. I can well imagine that he comes back. Um, he finally comes back home, and he is a sort of an embodiment of a warrior, which mm. with the the good and bad that that entails, yeah. um, and and has a has a problem connecting with family friends because because he is he is uh, changed by it, and but and and I think people will say yeah I can understand that, but I think all, it also goes for like the modern politician where. They are essentially, they have like, if, if a man can become just a worker or just mm. a warrior, then they can also become just a PR exercise. They mm. can literally become nothing but a hollowed out husk of a PR advertisement in all of their mannerisms and all of their thought. And yes. I think this is what runs, in many ways, runs the West today. And they, they are, and really, that's such a great point to end on, on is that they are the tool of the machine. They've been made and, they're and the machine itself in being is trying to make all of us it its kind of tools. Yeah, I mean, that's a good place to end it, Morgoth. That's that's great, man. I'll just cut that bit out. All right. I put there. Um, unless you wanted to say something else. Sorry. You, you, no, uh, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed coming on. Um, oh, man, it was a great pleasure to have you, man. I hope you come on again at some stage in, in the I'll, future. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll certainly come on again as well.